Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Tribe Prospect Chat, soon to have another name. We'll get into that later. I am Matt Schlichting, and along with me today is Brian Hemminger. Brian, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to kickstart the 2019 podcast season. I know we have uh, lots of things to talk about here with the first one of the year. Just to sort of situate everyone, we are going to be doing this pretty much every Wednesday throughout the season to be released then on Thursday for your listening pleasure. And just to go ahead and kick things off right away, you might know that we did a, every off season, we do a vote for Let's Go Tribe where we have the community rank who they think the top prospects are. Brian usually takes the helm on it and did an awesome job again this year. And it's always fun to see who everyone thinks the most promising young talent in the system are. And then sort of compare against what the quote-unquote experts out in the rest of the world think. So, Brian, how did we do this year? I thought we did really well. Like, granted, you know, we don't have uh, people out there in the the trenches watching these guys play, but we have a lot of people that seem to be paying attention to who uh, the top guys are in the system. And um, especially at the top levels, uh, the the Let's Go Tribe readers – I think that they they nailed it. Like obviously, uh, Tristan McKenzie is one of the top uh, pitching prospects in the Indian system, if not the top. And we ranked him number one overall. And that's what Baseball America and MLB Pipeline did. And we'll kind of talk a little bit about how we did compared to what some of the experts did with our rankings. But um, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun doing this this year. By the way, I mean I, I actually wrote all twenty articles about uh, all top twenty. Let's go try prospects. And then I did a uh, best of the rest where I picked out a few players that I thought, you know, we could have ranked and I ended up coming up with 37 players. So that might, that's either means I have way too much time on my hands or the Indians have a really deep system. I think it's definitely more of the latter (laughs) because even Doing some reading about the Indian system, we're seeing more and more about how the lower levels, especially around single A, it's so deep at this point that even though the Indian system, I think, is only ranked 10th or so overall, like a lot of that is with the caveat that if these guys keep developing the way they have been, it's going to be one of the mm-hmm. best in the entire league here shortly. I think the Indians had almost half of their MLB pipeline top 30 uh, prospects were teenagers. And they had the that is they awesome. had the youngest age by uh, average age of the total top thirty prospects by over a year to second place. So that's that's how good the young crop of talent is that the Indians have signed. So that's just something to keep in mind that the future is coming and it's coming very quickly. Um, I mean, it, it won't happen this year. I mean, there are a few players, obviously, that will have an opportunity to play this year, but like there are some immensely talented young players on the way. So don't don't yeah, freak out too much if we lose some stars along the way, because I think that we'll be refilling, restocking the MLB club in no time. It's a really good place to be in. And let's go ahead and we already mentioned Tristan mm-hmm. McKenzie. First overall, the right-handed pitching prospect who's about eight feet tall and weighs, I think, 115 pounds. I believe that's <laughs> correct. Close. Um, Nolan Jones was our number two overall. And this was another one where we were matched with the consensus with Baseball America and the MLB Pipeline. Yeah. And uh, where things started to go off the rails a little bit, not really, but uh, George Valera, I think, Obviously, this guy's immensely talented, but I mean, he did only get to play about three games last year, and then he uh, broke his hamate bone and missed the rest of the season. But uh, in those three games, he had an opportunity to hit his first professional home run in in, uh, the rookie league with a devastating bat flip, by the way. And then uh, he was batting like, I think he was on base percentage was about four or 500 and then uh, missed the rest of the season, but just even in a super small sample size. I mean, the talent was evident. So really excited about this guy. Just got to stay healthy. From what I heard, he's actually uh, battling an injury right now. I don't know how serious it is, but 
uh, that might have been what prevented him from starting in full season Lake County to start the season as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had him at number five. We had him at number three. Ethan Hankins, who was uh, potentially the top-rated high school pitcher in the 2018 draft, but dropped a little bit due to some injury concerns. Um, we have him at number four. And, I mean, if you watch that video of him just slaying the Japanese national team in the the perfect game, whatever, World Series thing that he played in, you'll see why the Indians uh, fans are excited about this guy. But we had him at number four. Uh, I mean, he hits the upper 90s with ridiculous movement on his fastball. And uh, Baseball America and MLB Pipeline had him at 10 and 9, respectively. I think they were more, you know, let's see him prove it at the professional level instead of us being like, oh, my God, did you see what this guy can do? (laughs) And part of that was he had some kind of shoulder injury, I think. And and that ended up not being nearly as serious as as what was what was thought which is really exciting, by the way, because, uh, I mean, it was a shoulder scare, but it turned out it wasn't anything that required surgery. It was just, it was a minor thing that he completely recovered from. And as far as I know, he's back to his old self. But temporarily, he lost some velocity and dropped in the, the, the rankings for the draft. And I think the Indians were the beneficiaries of that because they took a chance on him. So Heck yeah. we'll see. I'm really excited to see what he does this year. Me too. Well, we got a couple of infielders mm-hmm. after that in Tyler Freeman and Yu Chang. Yeah, Freeman, we had him at five and Baseball America and MLB Pipeline were in love with him. He's at three for them, for both. Uh, I mean, he was the top player in the, the low A Mahoning Valley uh, for the New York Penn League. I mean, he literally led that league in almost every offensive category except home runs. He had 29 doubles in a half season, short season league. That was actually, that would have led some of the full season teams for the Indians. That's how good he was (laughs) with his 29 doubles in a half season. Because like a player that had a ridiculous season for the Indians hit like 33 doubles. So, uh, and that would be in like twice as many games. So that's that's how good Tyler Freeman was last year. How old is Freeman? 19. He is 19 years old. With that kind of double power now, he puts on a couple of years and a couple, not a couple, you can't put on a couple more muscles, more muscle weight to that. Those could easily start carrying the extra, Mm -hmm. you know, dozen feet or so to turn into home runs. Exactly. I don't know if he'll ever be hitting that many home runs in a half season, but we can always hope, right? Yeah. And he is going to be starting the year at uh, Lake County full season. So he, his opening days tomorrow or when this pro this podcast, uh, gets posted on let's go tribe. He might've already started this season. So uh, definitely a a player to be really excited about. He also does not strike out, which is another very, very promising thing. And then uh, you mentioned Chang. Sorry. Yeah. You mentioned (laughs) Chang. Uh, He's starting at triple a and, but honestly he could be on the Indians right now, but he did like hurt his finger in spring training. And I think that that hurt him a little bit. He didn't get an opportunity to play as much. And then they send him to the minor league camp. So he's going to get some at-bats, play every day, hopefully. He should be healthy right now uh, at AAA. And honestly, what we anything from Chang could possibly be better than what we've been seeing out of Stamets and Moroff and Brad Miller so far at that MLB club while we're waiting for Francisco Lindor to get healthy. Yes, and I'm... I'm excited to see what he can do mm-hmm. at the major league level, especially with what we've seen from the guys that are filling in right now. Yeah. So Chang hits the ball hard and, and he had a great Arizona fall league, which was the most recent other than the spring training, the most recent professional experience anybody can have. So mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, he's going to have an opportunity to, to get some serious playing time this year. Just hopefully it doesn't come at the expense of anybody else getting hurt. Just maybe, given guys days off or, or maybe he can play second base if uh Kipnis takes a while to get back as well. Yeah. It would be nice to see him play well enough when he gets fully healthy that they just have to find room for him. Mm-hmm. And Bobby Bradley, who it feels like has been in our system for a decade at this point, we yeah. had at number seven, which pretty much matched the experts. Almost exactly. Yeah. Baseball America had him at seven and will be pipeline at six. Uh, he's been our top power hitter since he was drafted. Um, he's, you know, a guy that 
gets a lot of walks, hits a lot of home runs. I think his defense at first base is fine, uh, but he's not fast, and he doesn't have an amazing contact rate. That's something he's been trying to work on. Um, interesting thing, last year he came into camp and had lost like 30 pounds, and he felt, you know, it improved his speed a little bit, but he just felt like he lost something a little bit. So he came back this year and pretty much gained it all back. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, and then some. So, I mean, I saw him at Tribe Fest, and he he looked fine to me physically. Awesome. I mean, I wasn't, like, scoping him out or anything, but, uh, like, I didn't see some guy that was super out of shape or anything. Well, and even if he was, there's, like, a long history of slugging first baseman. Like, you look at Prince Fielder and Mo Vaughn, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, those guys were okay, even though they mm-hmm. were pushing maybe even 300 pounds. <laughs> I think he'll be fine. Uh, like, basically, right now, he's a backup uh, for if something happens at the major league level, because we've got Carlos Santana for the next two years and Jake Bowers can play first base as well. So uh, that that's really what the situation Bradley's in, uh, because it looks like Hanley Ramirez is here to stay after another huge home run tonight. So Santana's not going to be moving to DH anytime soon, unless somebody gets hurt. And, uh, so Bobby Bradley's just going to have to prove himself. I mean, last year he started the year at double A and then moved up to triple A where he actually hit a little bit better. Um, but he's just going to have to watch the strikeout rate, see if he can drop that strikeout rate, get some more experience at triple A and potentially get that major league debut in this year. I, I do expect him to play for the Indians this year. Yeah, me too. And then next up, we've got a, a little chunk of some of the younger guys in the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brian Rocchio. We had him at number eight, and that's the exact average of the other ones, the Baseball America at nine, MLB Pipeline at seven. And and this guy is exciting. He really is. He's 17 years old. He uh, plays shortstop. He's nicknamed the professor because he's, like, so uh, aware, like, has such a great baseball IQ. Um, I mean, he played for the Indians in spring training one game, and I think he went three for three with a triple and then made multiple incredible diving plays on defense like that the Indians Twitter actually was replaying and stuff. So if you haven't seen yes. those, look them up. Yeah, I, I mean, remember was, the one he ranged yeah. to the other side of second base, scooped it, and yep. just threw a dart to first. Yeah, all in one fluid motion on a dive. Like So he is really, really talented. So I'm, I'm surprised, honestly, that the Indians didn't bump him up to single A, but they already have three really good infielders at single A on uh, second, third, and shortstop. So I guess that they're just going to let him uh, just kill people at low A to start the season and then potentially move up as other people are promoted. And then we have a Bo Naylor where the Indians clearly, Indians fans were clearly underrating this guy. He was our first pick, first round draft pick this past season for uh, the MLB draft. Uh, Catcher, really good hitting prospect. Um, And also... Uh, the younger brother of, I believe, Josh Naylor, who is one of the top power prospects, one of the top prospects overall in the Padre system. So uh, this is a guy that has some serious potential to move quickly through the system. The Indians are being really aggressive with him. He's skipping low A entirely, and at 18 years old, I believe, is going to be starting the year as the starting catcher at Lake County, single A. So he is one of the more aggressive placements in the entire system. So I think uh, this guy is uh, primed to be a really good player. It'll be very interesting to see how he responds to such an aggressive placement so young. Because he's definitely going to be one of the youngest players in all of uh, the the Midwest League. Yeah, and he, especially since we just dealt Mejia last season, filling the pipeline up again with another excellent hitting catching prospect. And I believe he's a rated even at this point, much better defensively than Mejia ever was. Right. Um, I'd say Mejia had the better overall arm, but I think Naylor is uh, getting a few, got a few better looks for athleticism and size behind the plate. Like he can block a little bit better, Mm -hmm. but uh, like Mejia wasn't as good as far as I know with framing and everything. And I think that that's showing a little bit right now at the major league level as well. Like Mejia can hit, but uh, some of the little things like calling a game, that's that's still something he needs to work on. But 
I think, uh, yeah, Bo Naylor, very promising. As long as he stays behind the dish, uh, he's going to be one of our top prospects. And Baseball America and MLB Pipeline both have him at number four. And next up, we have Luis Oviedo, who I didn't know about at all until he basically took over the New York Penn League for a month. Well, what was funny was the year before, so 2017, his ERA was like eight at the Arizona Rookie League. Like you would have just glossed right over his name when you looked at his stat line. But hidden in those stats were he had an insane strikeout rate. And from everything I'd heard, he was just being told to work on some specific pitches. And in, and then last year, he finally got a chance to unleash his full arsenal. And it showed. I mean, he could just... I mean, he was back-to-back-to-back uh, to back to back pitcher of the, of the week in the New York Penn League. So three weeks in a row. And then he was named the pitcher of the year, even though he was only there for like two-thirds of the season. <laughs> because he got promoted to Lake County. And he's going to start at Lake County as well. He's definitely one of the most exciting uh, pitching prospects in the system. Uh, just, uh, I think, 19 years old, maybe 20 at this point, but really, really talented, mid to upper 90s with movement and excellent control. So uh, this is a guy that um, will be added to the 40-man roster quickly, I mm-hmm. think. And we've got a couple other pitchers here. Uh, this in... next one is hilarious. Uh, Baseball America had him only at 20, and uh, MLB Pipeline had him at 12, and we had him at 11. He was uh, Lenny Torres. He was the third Indians' first-round draft pick this past season because they had, obviously, their regular draft pick. Then they had uh, a, a pick for losing Carlos Santana, which I think they used on Ethan Hankins. And then they had a competitive balance pick for being a small market team. And then they used that on Lenny Torres. So this is a guy with, uh, from what I heard, he was the best pitcher in sing- in the rookie league last year in Arizona. But he just didn't qualify because in his last start, instead of using him in his last start, that would have qualified him like for all the, the, the top uh, leaderboards and everything, they used him in their playoff start and he just slated in that too. So, but that didn't count towards the the regular season stats, but baseball America said that he was the best pitcher in the Arizona rookie league last year. So another player to get really excited about yeah. with uh, great strikeout stuff, good control and good velocity. And then so. up next we have Sam Hentges, who is he, I feel like he's almost the only legitimate left-handing pitching prospect the Indians have left in the system. He's the highest uh, rated one by far. Um, I mean, there are a few more, but like they're still working their way up. Like Mm -hmm. there are a few that I'll probably bring up today later. um, But he is definitely the one that's gotten the most prospect attention. Um, He's a graduate of Tommy John surgery um, and then <laughs> I like the term graduate because it does feel like at some point everybody year, just gets it now. Last year, he was uh, was his first full season because the year before he just you know made a few appearances just to kind of get uh, you know his feet wet again to get back in the groove. And last year, they, they let him stretch out again and uh, he did great. He struck out 122 batters in 118 innings, 23 starts. I don't think uh, he spent any time on the disabled list. Um, his only issue right now is, you know, his walk rate could use a, a little bit of a work. He's walking four batters per nine innings. But uh, when, when you're striking out about 10 batters per nine innings, that's, uh, that's something that you can get away with. But he'll start at double A and we had him at 12 and that wasn't good enough for everybody else because Baseball America thought he was number six and MLB Pipeline had him at 10. So this is definitely a guy that could be making his debut with the Indians this year at some point, honestly. I mean, he's on the 40-man roster now. So if uh, Indians need a spot starter, they could definitely be calling his name. And with could his be, yeah. the, the way he throws and some of his peripherals now, he does look like the type of guy that even if he doesn't end up sticking as a starter in the long run, he's going to find work in the bullpen. Yes, because, I mean, he has low to mid-90s fastball with a really good uh, – breaking stuff 
So he's he's going to be a major league pitcher at some point, and hopefully it's with the Indians. And we have Daniel Johnson at number 13, who we got yeah. as part of the on Gomes trade and might be one mm-hmm. of the names that people are a little more familiar with because of that. Yeah, yeah, a little more unfamiliar with uh, because, yeah, they haven't seen him play really. I mean, he he impressed in spring training, hit some bombs, um, really good athlete. Uh, he lost a bit of last season due to a hamate injury, uh, just like George Valera, but he was in full season ball, so... When he finally returned, you know, he lost a little bit of his uh, power because that's what uh, a handmade injury does is it saps your power for about that season. Uh, but, I mean, this is a guy that can steal bases. He plays great defense. Uh, he's definitely a strong outfield candidate for the future, and he's going to start the season in double A. But this is a guy that can easily be a 2020 player, in my opinion. And I know a lot of people have said that he's about as toolsy in outfielder as you can get. And it's just a question mm-hmm. of does that end up converting when he gets a chance at the major league level? Absolutely. And uh, I think that he'll be competing for a starting spot in the outfield next year. Uh, spring training for sure. We got a couple more so. pitchers here coming up. Nick Sandlin and Giancarlos Mejia. Yeah. Sandlin is a guy that the Indians drafted in the second round last year. And he is a really interesting study. I mean, this guy is another side armor, but he's kind of the opposite of Adam Simber. You know, Adam Simber's throwing like 83 miles an hour. Sandlin can throw like 95 and uh, with insane movement. And he was, a, what was interesting was in college, he was a sidearm starter for uh, Southern Mississippi. And he had the lowest whip of any player in the entire college baseball season that year. He was also like the hardest player to hit home runs off of. Um, and last year he played, they started him at, at the rookie league. Then they went, okay, let's move him up to low A. Let's move him up to single A Lake County. Let's move him up to high A. And then eventually to double A. He made it all the way to double A after getting drafted in June. So that is crazy. Um, he is uh, dealing with a little bit of uh, arm fatigue from what I heard. Like uh, I saw something about a forearm. I don't think it's like serious. I, I heard it's just going to delay his start to the season by a week or two. But uh, he's a lot of people think that he is going to be the first player from the 2018 draft to make it to the majors. I expect that he will be in the Indians bullpen at some point by the end of the year. Yeah, I'm... So that's, that's an <clears throat> exciting young player. I kind of expect him to make it. I mean, I was telling you earlier today, like, I wouldn't be shocked if by July we see him pitching some meaningful innings for the tribe. Mm-hmm. Especially with uh, at least the performance of some players out of the bullpen. Uh, I would not be shocked if that some of them need replaced. <laughs> and then what about Mejia? And then, uh, Jean, yeah, Gene Carlos Mejia, another Mejia in the Indian system. Uh, this guy, he was kind of known as a, a piggyback starter. Do you know, have you ever heard of that term? Oh yeah. I mean, it's kind of, you have like two guys that pitch three or four innings in the minors. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm, like the first guy will start and go like, it's not like the, what do they call it? The Tampa Bay does openers, the the opener. It wasn't, it's not quite like that. Like they'll actually have two starters that just aren't fully stretched out. And then they will kind of pitch the first eight innings combined of a game. Uh, And he would usually be the guy that would come in second. And he would just, you know, pitch four or five innings. But he got an opportunity to just be a regular starter last year. And then he had just this incredible breakout performance after he, uh, you know, started the season, I think, on the injured list and had like back to back shutout seven inning, 10 strikeout starts at Lake County and ended up finishing the year at high A uh, Lynchburg. And the Indians liked him so much. Uh, and he's been in the system a little bit. This was like his, his real breakout performance. Like he finished really strong to close the season. And the Indians liked him so much they added him to the 40-man roster because they were worried that people were going to take him in the Rule 5 draft. So that that's that's what the how, what the Indians think of him. So Yeah, and that's, anytime uh, you're adding somebody that relatively low in the system like that, it says a yeah. lot, I think, about their talent. He's, he's the lowest in the system that's on the 40-man roster because he's still starting the season in high A. And then uh, Oscar Mercado 
Uh, I think if we redid these rankings today, he'd probably be in the top 10. I think he was like the most <laughs> yeah. popular player in spring training this year. <laughs> he really was. He tore the cover off the ball. Uh, he had an amazing spring. He had a really good off season where he worked on his swing. We had a great article today by uh, what was it, Alex Hooper. Yes. Um, and about Oscar Mercado going back home and then going to the Indians uh, swing uh, instructional and uh, really putting in the time to become a better player in the offseason. The quote that really jumped out to me in that was it was one of the guys in the Indian system saying that he went to the the swing school twice and then was going back every single day and taking more time in the cage to work on it. And they said, like, nobody does that. They haven't seen that level of commitment from somebody before. So that's exciting for a young guy like him. Yeah, because this is a guy that has everything else going for him. And he's a converted infielder with insane speed. He has a great arm. He has uh, excellent defense in the outfield, um, a little bit of pop in his bat, but he wasn't quite hitting. The contact wasn't quite there. Uh, his offense has improved since they since he got converted to the outfield. The Indians actually traded for him last year, so that's another reason a lot of people might not know him that well yet. Um, but... Yeah, this is a guy that looks really, really good. I'm I'm very excited about uh, Oscar Mercado. He's going to start at AAA. He's the only player at AAA that's on the 40-man roster. So he's going to be one of those first men up, depending on uh, any injuries or poor uh, placement or poor play by any outfielders in the current Indians outfield. Uh, cough, cough, dog. <laughs> And then, but yeah, I, I'm very excited about Mercado. Uh, Richard Palacios is next, and I know nothing about him, unfortunately. <laughs> he's he's like the Nick Sandlin of position players for the Indians. He got drafted in the third round by the Indians last year, and then he started the year at uh, the Arizona Rookie League, where I think he had an OPS of about 1,500 <laughs> Um, and then they moved him up to Mahoning Valley and his OPS was still over a thousand and they're like okay fine we'll put you at single A so he made it all the way to single A as a position player which is very rare Um, and uh, still batted over 300 Uh, I do have some bad news though I think he had a serious shoulder injury during spring training and he is going to miss this entire season. How old is but, he though? Um, he was a college player, so he's at like 21. So he, this is basically a lost season for him. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this is a guy that, you know, basically because they were so aggressive with him next year, he'll be probably starting at Lake County again, maybe Lynchburg, which is right in line of where he'd be for an average player that, that played well at, at, at his age. So I think he'll be fine, but it just sucks that he, he could have like flown through the system, but instead he's going to have to, you know, just gently soar through the system. Um, here is a guy who I think I know how to say his name. And in many of my out of the park baseball playthroughs, he ends up becoming a stud starting pitcher, but Aaron, is it Saval or Savali? Saval? I think it's Saval. I think it's Saval. It, it might be Savali. I really haven't heard people pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, another thing, I, I really haven't heard a lot on what's what's up with him right now. I believe he's dealing with an injury as well uh, because he's not on any of the rosters right now. And only AAA has players on their injured list. So uh, wherever Aaron... Uh, Saval is he's dealing with some sort of injury right now, which sucks because his last season was derailed a little bit, uh, slowed down with injuries. But uh, this is a guy with immense control and, uh, you know, throws in the low to mid nineties and a converted reliever. So, you know, he's, he's a player worth being excited about. Uh, He's close to debuting with the Indians, but uh, you know, injuries are slowing his progression down. And uh, Baseball America had him at 15, MLB Pipeline at 24, and we had him at 18. Coming in at number 19, former first-round pick in 2016, Will Benson, the outfielder. 
yeah, you know, this is a guy that basically if he'd had a better BAPIP last year, everyone would be singing his praises because he dropped his strikeout rate. He increased his walk rate to 16.2%. That's crazy good. Elite. Um, yeah, that's elite. Elite walk rate. Um, but because he had a 218 BAPIP, which is batting average of balls in play, his batting average was 180, which was one of the lowest among all full-season players in all of minor league baseball. So, But, I mean, it, you, you talk about five-tool players. He's the ultimate four-tool player right now. <laughs> uh, so he's got the speed. He's got the power. He's got the defense. He's got the arm. Um, and he's got the ability to get on base with walks. He just needs to improve that contact rate and maybe swing selection a little bit. And I mean, and, and he'll be there. So the Indians are restarting him. Uh, he was at Lake County last year where I think he led the Midwest league in home runs. He, I mean, he crushed like 22 home runs last year in his first full season, which is great. I mean, that's, that's one of the best of any prospect in the Indians minor league system, but uh, that 180 batting average is really what's holding them back right now. So if if he can just hit the ball a little more consistently, put it in play, um, I mean, I think that he could be a, a top 15 or top 10 by next year. So we'll see what, what happens with him. But for now, he's going to uh, repeat at Lake County. And I could see him fly through the system again, too, because in average mm-hmm. BABIP, like league average BABIP is 300 or so. If you're a guy like Mike Trout, who just consistently hits the snot out of the ball, something like 330, 340 sustainable. Don't Mm -hmm. know if he's going to end up in that range, but even if he just normalizes his batting average on balls in play, that's It's going to go a long way to fixing his numbers. At least 50, 60 points. And so we come to the end of the let's go tribe top 20 prospects coming into this season. And we land on Jonathan Rodriguez. Yeah, another uh, young guy. He was the third round pick in 2017, I believe. So uh, one of the youngest guys in that draft, uh, you know, has a great frame with projectable power, great arm. Um, Basically, he played both the last two seasons in the AZL, but he improved pretty much all of his uh, statistical categories last year. And, um, he's going to be ready for low A Mahoning Valley this year at, at like 19 or 20 years old. So I think, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Um, just going to hope that that power develops because he has the frame for it. We just haven't seen a lot of, and he's yet. 19 and his birthday is not until November 4th. So somebody that young repeating in rookie league, like it actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. Not a big deal. So and it's not like he's performed poorly in either of his seasons either. So I think uh, I think that he could uh, develop into a very promising player. We just need to you know keep it in the gym and keep growing. I mean, when some of these guys they're not done growing yet. So all right, so that's our top twenty. That the LGT, I thought that the the fans did a great job. Uh, I mean, there were only a couple players that I thought deserved to be in the top 20 that maybe they missed out on, like uh, like a Raynell Delgado. Um, but overall, I thought that they did a really good job. Uh, let me see. There was – I know MLB Pipeline had somebody in their top 30 that – like that was in like almost top 10 that we didn't even rank. So I want to see who that was that they were so high on that we didn't, you know, even – look at well, twice. And, and the the voting this off season was a lot of fun too because we had so really much was. engagement throughout the entire voting process and most years you, you get through the first five or ten guys and then it sort of gets into the the lesser known prospects and it drops off but i i think we were getting 30 plus comments on pretty much every vote we were we were getting more than that like it was in the the hundred comment ranges at times i mean it was awesome Every single post had great discussion. I was ecstatic with how that turned out because I, I mean, there's nothing I love more than talking about prospects and getting to answer questions and talk about, you know, who's going to be the breakout player. Uh, it was really exciting. And it looked like I did find a, 
the players and they were uh, players that haven't played yet. So that's, there's a reason that we didn't uh, end up voting for them. Uh, Gabriel Rodriguez, who was our top international signing in 2018, who will be debuting this year. And Aaron Bracco, who was our biggest bonus receiver in 2017, but had an injury last year and never made his professional debut. So uh, both guys play shortstop and both guys are immensely talented. They just haven't played yet. So there's a reason that the fans didn't vote for them because they haven't seen him play yet. So I will not yeah, hold it against nothing them. they can do about that. And speaking of guys getting into the system, you mentioned this a little bit when we were going through the list, but there are some interesting aggressive placements for guys this year and then some disappointing ones. And I let's check mm-hmm. them out. Okay. Uh, aggressive placements. There really weren't any in Columbus or Akron, so I'm going to skip those two at AAA and AA. Those are mostly filled with players that have been in the system for a long time or even some guys that they just signed as veterans to fill some spots. Um, But at Lynchburg, there's one aggressive placement that I really like. Stephen Kwan. I don't know if you're familiar with – are you familiar at all with Stephen Kwan? but I like his name. Okay. (laughs) he was a fifth round pick by the Indians last year. He played for Oregon state, which won the college world series. And last year he debuted. He only played 17 games, but in his 13 games with a low a Mahoney or with uh, the Arizona rookie league, he batted three fifty with a four eighty on base percentage. Um, he walked nine times and only struck out three times. Uh, I mean, clearly was way better than that level. They promoted him to Mahoning Valley, and he batted three thirty three with a four thirty on base percentage. So uh, was clearly better than that level. So the Indians aggressively – I mean, he's 21 years old, so he was a college junior – and the Indians aggressively skipped single A entirely and moved him up to high A. So he, he leaped past Lake County, and he is in high A Lynchburg to start the and season. Lynchburg is more or less a so. full season, right? Yeah, and, and Lake County is full season okay. as well. The Indians have four full season leagues. They have AAA Columbus, AA Akron, high A Lynchburg, and single A Lake County. Uh, low A Mahoning Valley is the highest level of the short season. Got it. Uh, very exciting to see what uh, happens with Stephen Kwan, because this could be a guy that could just fly through the system. I mean, he is the most aggressive position player from last year's draft. Um, so definitely excited to see what happens with him. Um, and then in terms of uh, pitchers from last year's draft, uh, obviously we mentioned Nick Sandlin making it all the way up to double A. Um, let me check here. Uh, there's no uh, pitchers like that were relievers or whatever in last year's draft that are starting at double A other than Sandlin probably. But there are several from last year's draft that are going to start at high A with Quan. That's a Robert Broom. He was, I believe, the 10th round pick. And he's also a side armor. Uh, so the Indians love their side armors. Um, he's going to be at Lynchburg. And um, what was the other one? Adam Scott. He was the a college senior. Usually a team takes a, drafts a college senior because they can offer him way less money <laughs> and save because they're like, hey, you want to sign with us or do you not want to play professional baseball ever again? Uh, <laughs> and they just offer him uh, under slot money, kind of take advantage of the fact that they were a college senior. And uh, But he played great. He's a lefty. And last year, I mean, he – advanced all the way, I believe, to Lake County. And he's going to look like they're trying to convert him into a starting pitcher. He was a reliever last year. And he's going to have a chance to start at Lynchburg. Excellent. And then Lake County is where the rest of the aggressive placements are. And this is something really interesting. Um, We have Noah Naylor, who we brought up earlier, uh, Bo Naylor. He was our first-round draft pick, and he's skipping Mahoning Valley entirely, so he is going straight into full-season ball. Uh, the Indians typically do not do this with high school uh, or prep school prospects. The last time they did this, I think, was with Clint Frazier. So that should that should say something as yes. well. 
Um, the other player that they were very aggressive with was uh, Marcos Gonzalez. He's a shortstop, but I believe he's going to be playing third base for uh, the Lake County Captains. He's 19 years old. He was their highest paid, uh, number one ranked international prospect signed in 2016. So he played in the DSL in 2017. He played in the Arizona Rookie League last year where he batted 300 with a 397 on base percentage in uh, 35 games. And the Indians liked what they saw. So he's skipping low A entirely and going straight to uh, Lake County. And then uh, the other player that is potentially really interesting is Quentin Holmes. Do you remember Quentin Holmes? I sure do. He was our number one pick in 2017, but he wasn't a first-round pick. We lost a first-round pick by signing Edwin Encarnacion that year. So we only had a second-round pick. And we drafted Quentin Holmes with our second-round pick. And I'm not going to lie, he did not have a good 2017 or 2018. It's frustrating. In, uh, his professional, yeah, in his professional debut, he had 41 games, batted 182 with a 220 on base percentage. He was the fastest player in the draft, but he only stole five bases and got caught four times, struck out 61 times, walked just eight times. So people were already ready to label him a bust after just his professional debut. Then he got hurt last year and only played in six games and batted 158 or 143 combined between two different teams. But... He took some huge steps in the offseason with his training, with his swing, uh, I think with his uh, filling out a little bit because he's still just 19 years old. And he was one of our top hitters in minor league spring training this year. Um, he was one of the top on uh, extra base hitters as well. I mean, he was hitting home runs. He was hitting a lot of doubles. And he turned some heads and – the Indians, instead of just babying him and moving him up to uh, low A, they're moving him straight to Lake County. So he's staying on pace with his buddy, uh, Tyler Freeman, who last year was the top player in all of low A and is moving just one level at a time. And Quentin Holmes is skipping a level to, to catch back up. So that'll be really interesting to see how Quentin Holmes performs this year. I hope he takes off because he Me is too. He, he, he's an exciting looking player when you see physically what he's capable of doing. And so mm -hmm. you hope a couple of bad seasons like that and an injury doesn't end up leading him to a total flame out. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I'm very intrigued with how he performs and there weren't any real crazy uh, pitching placements other than uh, Brady Aiken is back. He is. he is. He's at Lake County. So that's where he pitched two years ago when he was one of the, I think he had the most walks, if not the top two or three walks of any pitcher in full season baseball. That's not something you want to hang your hat on. Uh, his velocity was down. His command was down. Like, nothing was working for Brady Aiken. The only thing that he had going for him was, for some reason, he pitched well with runners on base. So even though his whip was, like, almost two, that his ERA stayed below five, which is insane. Um, but, yeah, he did not uh, play well that year. And then last year, even though he was not injured, I do not think he had an injury, he did not play the whole season. He basically stayed at extended spring training the whole year and worked on his mechanics and worked with Indians trainers just to get in better physical condition. They kind of wanted to reset him because from what I heard, the Indians just did not feel that he recovered properly from Tommy John surgery. Because if you remember, there's actually a really, really good article <clears throat> from the news Herald in Northeast Ohio about that from today, actually. Oh, it, it came out today. Uh, Either today or yesterday, yeah. Okay. Um, just talking about him staying in Arizona, and then it was ultimately like a, a mutual decision for all of them. Like him acknowledging, based on the way that I was throwing, I definitely wasn't ready to make the kind of steps I wanted to, and the team 
also sort of coming in at the same place saying like, look, we're committed to you. We trust your skill set. We just sort of need to recalibrate everything since you're essentially his career got totally knocked off the rails by that surgery. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this was a guy that was the former number one pick in the first round by the Houston Astros like five years ago. So famously turned down. Yeah. If he can return even close to that form, he's still just 22 years old. So, I mean, it's not time to give up on him just yet. So, uh, from what I heard, though, he is going to be starting out of the bullpen. I don't know if that's the long-term solution or if they're just going to be looking to stretch him out and eventually transition him back to starting. Um, but that that's where he'll be starting this year is in the bullpen. Like, in, in all the minor league games he played, he was pitching one inning at a time. So, we'll see what uh, how that pans out over the course of the season if they decide to start stretching him out again. I guess it'll also depend on how he's pitching. So uh, I think those are all the most interesting, like whether it was aggressive or overall placements, um, some disappointing placements. Uh, I really wanted to see Connor Maribel, who is in double A right now in the outfield, start the season at triple A because uh, he has nothing left to prove at double A. He had a great season at double A last year, but triple A right now has Brandon Barnes, Carlos Gonzalez, Cameron Maben, and Trace Thompson in its outfield, along with Oscar Mercado. Mercado is the only prospect out of all four of those, um, or out of all five of those. So hopefully that all gets sorted out. I don't think Cameron Maben will be there long-term. Cargo, obviously, is going to be moving up to the big league club at some point, and depending on how Trace Thompson and Brandon Barnes perform, they're, they are both expendable as well. So mm-hmm. hopefully uh, Connor Maribel you know, doesn't sulk, and he... Uh, plays himself up to force the Indians hand Uh, kind of the same thing goes with Andrew Kalika Uh, he had a pretty good season last year as well at double a and he deserved to be a triple a but again those veterans right now are kind of taking his spot and And it might not take long for that to get sorted out either because all of those guys are on minor league contracts except Mercado is on the 40 man yeah Mercado's on the 40 man yeah so all those veterans aren't guaranteed anything or have a major league roster spot. Mm-hmm. So it, and cargo has an opt out for April 20th. Yeah. So something has to give by that point. So within about two and a half weeks. Um, and then at double a, uh, also I was a little intrigued to see Tyler Krieger, not at triple a, but it looks like the Indians after last year, he played spent most of the year at, in the outfield. They're moving him back to the infield. Because uh, Mark Mathias is uh, at Triple A right now in the infield as a utility man. Sam Haggerty was traded, and uh, looks like there was no longer that roadblock where last year Haggerty, Mathias, and Krieger, who were all second basemen, were at Double A. So now they're moving Krieger back to second and third base. So we'll see how he uh, transitions back and. Because last year he hit really well, and I thought that he would be in AAA after his hitting performance. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, At Lynchburg, interesting uh, placements. I was surprised to see Eli Morgan still at uh, high A Lynchburg because he, I believe, led all Indians pitchers, uh, full season pitchers in strikeouts. Um, Had a pretty strong season last year where he started the year at Lake County, got promoted to Lynchburg, and uh, performed pretty well. Uh, I thought that he'd be moving up to double A, but at least for now, he's going to start the year at high A. Um, Luke Wakamatsu is also repeating at uh, shortstop for uh, Lynchburg, but you know he's, he's really never been healthy for a full season, so that doesn't really surprise me. Um, and then Jod Carter and Trenton Brooks are also repeating at high A. Trenton Brooks was the top hitter on high A Lynchburg last year. So I thought that he'd be moving up, but we'll be seeing what happens with that as that pans out. Because again, there are a lot of outfielders in the Indian system. And I think that that's going to be a rotating position, uh, kind of a, what do you call it? Not an assembly line, but conveyor belt where everybody will be moving up at the same time. 
in outfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lake County, we have two players that I'm a little surprised, not terribly, but are repeating Will Benson. We mentioned earlier, uh, repeating at Lake County. Hopefully he can really take it to a next level with his contact rate. And then Ulysses Cantu, uh, he was like a fifth round pick the same year as Will Benson has had some issues staying healthy, uh, but an interesting hitter. Uh, hopefully he can stay healthy and uh, show some improvements this year because last year was kind of a lost season for him. Uh, you know, he had really regressed in a lot of ways. I think he was hampered by injuries and hopefully he can bounce back. But those are the ones to, to be looking out for as well. So I think those are all uh, my interesting prospect placements and potentially disappointing uh, starting placements. And we've touched a little bit on guys like Richard Palacios, who unfortunately are going to be missing time with injury, but who are some of the other folks that we might not get to see as soon as we would like. All right. I'm going to start at AAA and work my way down. Um, uh, Adam Plutko, he is going to miss the beginning of the season with a forearm issue. He's on the injured list. Um, A few of these guys are not really prospects, but they are people that could be uh, making an impact with the Indians, like Tyler Clippard. Uh, This guy could potentially be our eighth inning guy uh, out of the bullpen, but he is currently, he had his, what was it, pectoral or something uh, that he hurt in spring training. That sounds right. He was the temporary closer for Toronto last year when Osuna got suspended. So, you know, this is definitely a guy that should be making a positive contribution to the bullpen this year. I'm really excited to see him too, because he has the weirdest batted ball profile for a pitcher I have ever seen. <laughs> like he does not throw hard and he gets incredibly weak contact, which you would normally assume is going to be a ground baller, but he had like the lowest ground ball rate of any mm-hmm. pitcher practically in the majors last season. So somehow Everybody just hits these lazy pop-ups against him, and he's only throwing high 80s, I think. So Mm -hmm. I I don't know what voodoo magic he has, but especially with the type of arms the Indians have in the bullpen, bringing in someone like that that's not exactly you know throwing BBs over the plate is an interesting change of pace, and I hope it ends up clicking really well, especially in a setup role. Yeah, and what's really interesting, he had 85 strikeouts last year in 68 and two-thirds innings. So, and had a 367 ERA with 13 saves or seven saves. Hopefully that ends up being one of those like incremental pickups, kind of like Oliver Perez was in limited time last year Mm -hmm. where nobody really expects anything out of it, but then they end up playing an integral role. Mm -hmm. And then uh, other players that are potentially injured, uh, Mike Poppy's opening the season on the seven day injured list. Uh, former Indians first-round pick. He's at AAA. Uh, we talked about Aaron uh, Savalli or Saval. Um, we'll not, figure it out. Yeah, not quite, not quite sure what's wrong with him, but he's not on a, an opening day roster, probably starting the season at AA. Nelly Rodriguez is not on anything. He was re-signed to a minor league contract in the offseason, but uh, he's clearly been surpassed by Bobby Bradley in the first base totem pole. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he might be done in the Indian system, potentially. Um, like He has not performed well at AAA so far the past two seasons. So he's kind of blown his opportunity, but he's still young. Um, other players, obviously the number one is Tristan McKenzie. Uh, hurt his back in minor league spring training. Um, he's going to miss the beginning of the season. Um, I don't think it's serious. It did not involve his arm, which is great, but this is the second straight season that he's opening the year on the disabled list, so that is potential cause for concern. Uh, We mentioned Nick Sandlin is also going to miss the beginning of the season, but I believe it's only going to be the first week or two. Uh, Kirk McCarty is another intriguing one. (coughs) He, along with Gene Carlos Mejia, were the top two performers in the Indians minor league system last year, in the final two months of the season. Uh, McCarty's potentially the next best Southpaw pitcher in the Indians minor league system. So he's somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, Really good velocity, great strikeout stuff. But as far as I know, he's not rostered right now, so he's got to be injured. So I don't know how serious that is. 
Uh, I've put out a request for information, just waiting to hear back. Um, Alex Call. Are you familiar with Alex Call? You probably are not. Uh, we picked him up as part of a trade, and yes. nobody thought about him. I know that much. He was acquired in the Yonder Alonso trade with the White Sox. So he is also uh, not rostered right now, so I'm assuming he's injured. Um, and then other players, uh, we mentioned Richard Palacios out for the season with a shoulder injury. Francisco Perez is another potential left-handed pitching prospect. Uh, participated in a no-hitter last season, I believe. Um, but he is out with elbow injury. I don't know how serious, but that's not a good sign. And another young flamethrower, Gregory Velasquez, is out with a shoulder injury. Again, I don't know how serious. And Gabriel Mejia, a guy that we've always been excited about because of his speed, uh, he is not rostered right now to start the season. And he definitely should be at his age and current level. So not sure what's up with him. But those are all the injuries, at least for the full season players, that we're currently aware of. And aware of is always, especially, unfortunately, with the way the Indians have sort of played almost hide and seek, it feels like, with how they report injuries to players the last few years. Hopefully, the ones we know about are really the only ones to worry about. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, in terms of anything else, do we have anything? Do we have any uh, listener questions? I think we put out a call for them. We've got a few here. Uh, one interesting one, and this is a guy that ended up not making our prospect list that I thought was interesting because I think we very well may see him this year. Uh, Eric Haas, mm -hmm. and this was from at Hokey Wolf. How does Haas's skill set compare with Kevin Plawecki's? I think Haas is an upgrade, honestly. Uh, Plawecki batted what 220 last year yeah. uh, or 210 I mean granted that's an offensive improvement over Perez but defensively <laughs> I was not impressed with what I saw out of Plawecki uh, in his first time catching Carrasco uh, Plawecki I mean you think about it you know Carrasco got tattooed and I think that had something to do with it is the catcher as well you know that guy's in charge of calling the game uh, the relationship between the catcher and pitcher is always important in how they perform as well, like how they know how their stuff translates. So I would honestly like to see Eric Haas on the big league club right now, but if the Indians feel that he's better off getting every day at bats because Roberto Perez is going to get the majority of all the starts for now, then I'm okay with it. But I would like to see Eric Haas on the big league club. He had a great spring batted in the mid three hundreds, uh, hit some hit some bombs. He's definitely a strong power hitting catcher, and improved his uh, defense last year significantly. The MLB Pipeline said he was the best defensive player in the Indians minor league system. And he he hit twenty plus home runs last season. I think for and the didn't second he throw year out like forty percent of baseball throughout forty five percent of base stealers. Forty five percent. So would be base stealers. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Um, his big issue is strikeouts. I think he struck out like 30% last year. So that is something that he's going to have to, especially with how much the Indians were striking out to start this season. Uh, you don't exactly want to be calling somebody up that's going to be striking out one third of their at-bats. Uh, to be fair, we now know that offensive catcher is not a priority for the Indians. It is not. So, I mean, the main thing he needs to do is improve, keep working on that defense, and I think that yep. he'll have his opportunity. So he did get called so, up. So he he has had his cup of coffee. He had it last year in the September, but didn't get a lot much of an opportunity to show what he can do yet. Our next question here is from a, a young gentleman by the name of Chris D. Davies, mm -hmm. our colleague. How much worse... <laughs> Then more often Stamets would early Ernie Clement or Tyler Freeman be if they were to be called up right now, I'm assuming is the context. Um, I'd say Freeman's still a ways to go, especially I don't know how major league ready he is as a shortstop. I think eventually he's going to be converted to a second baseman. Yeah, um, I've seen that too. But Ernie Clement could play right now. I mean, this is a guy with a profile of not striking out. He was the hardest player to strike out in college baseball the year the Indians drafted him. 
and he turned some heads in spring training this year. So he wasn't on the 40-man, so his chances of making the roster were practically impossible. But he definitely impressed Tito. He impressed a lot of the coaching staff with his work ethic, with uh, his performance defensively, his at-bats at the plate. Uh, this is a guy that the like the Indians are like this guy a lot. Um, they love those type of players that don't strike out. The you know the Michael Brantleys, the the, the Jose Ramirez's that just find a way to make contact or walk. Like they they force you to get them out, and uh, and that's what Ernie Clement brings. And he's definitely an intriguing uh, prospect that is a potential utility man of the future that can play. Uh, shortstop, third base, and uh, second base. And he's starting the year at double A. So he, last year, I mean, he didn't have the greatest start to the season. He wasn't doing that well at Lake County. Then they promoted him to high A because of an injury. And he batted like 360, just tore the cover off the ball the whole rest of the season. Like any, well, Maybe any like Lindor, he was just bored. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. But yeah, yeah. Uh, out of those two players that he mentioned, uh, Ernie Clement definitely is somebody to keep an eye on. I don't see him as like an infielder of the future because I think that the Indians have a lot better uh, higher ceiling prospects at, at the middle infield positions. But I think Ernie Clement is one of the higher floor prospects in the Indian system. Like he's a guy that will get in there and put on a good performance. And I don't think that you'll be disappointed with what you get out of him. Uh, at least in terms of placeholder type of status. It's fun having those guys that just don't strike out. I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent, but like Williams Astadio for the twins just never strikes out and never walks. So the ball is always going to be in place somewhere. And I don't know if we'll ever get back to the days where you have someone like Nellie Fox, who basically just, almost never struck out over the course of his entire career. But I think we are kind of starting to see a little bit of a swing back to contact guys, maybe because they're being a little bit undervalued in today's era where the three true outcomes are just basically the three only outcomes. It feels like sometimes. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, especially with all the changes in uh, defensive shifting and fourth outfielders, uh, there could be, uh, you know, there's definitely a home for somebody that can use the whole field and make consistent contact. So, yeah, and I think that that's the type of player that Ernie Clement is. He's not going to be blowing you away with, you know, 30 home runs, but he's a guy that can put the ball in play consistently. And then our last question for tonight, which I love, uh, is from Jay Kreitz 2. What is a realistic prospect pipeline for the next four years? Please include relievers. Um, <laughs> I feel like this came from a teacher just because of the way it's worded. But unfortunately, you're just going to have to listen to the podcast for the entire year because that's what we're going to be talking about is throughout the entire system. Who are the guys? And I'm assuming next four years is the specific time frame listed here because that's when, unfortunately, we're probably going to be losing Francisco Lindor and some of the other cornerstones we've built up. But yeah, if you ride with us throughout the season, you will get a very good answer to that question. I, I can throw in a couple relievers, at least, it, since it seems like that's what he was really interested in. So Henry Martinez is a name you will not want to forget. He's at AAA right now. He is the best prospect uh, reliever at AAA. Like a lot of the other guys are veterans, you know, of uh, uh, the Clippers, the 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 Nick Whitgrins, the Jeffrey Rodriguez, you know, those type of guys. But Henry Martinez hasn't made his professional debut yet at the major league level. But he touches the upper nineties, potentially hundred miles an hour with filthy stuff. He went through three minor league levels last year and he impressed uh, Indians uh, coaches a lot in spring training, but he wasn't on the 40 men roster did not get rostered. Uh, I don't think he gave up a run in spring training. So 
definitely somebody to keep an eye on this year. I expect him to be making contributions out of the bullpen. So there's one name for you uh, for a bullpen that will definitely improve our bullpen at some point this year. And uh, for the people that thought Ben Taylor was going to be the answer, I believe he was released today. So sorry, Ben Taylor. Well, I believe for our inaugural 2019 prospect chat, that is all we have. The one thing we're still working on is what we're going to call the prospect chat because prospect chat is not exciting. It's not. Some of the things we've thrown out there, we've considered right of passage. Yeah. We have considered uh, the Bush League. That's more of a comical, but you know, that's kind of a nickname for the minor league system for a bunch of bums in the system, but hey, that could be us. And then there is no such thing as a prospect podcast is another one that's come up. But <laughs> And we'll also take uh, suggestions if, if uh, any fans yeah. have something that they would like to name us. But we are open to suggestions. We would like to have something creative, whether it's related to uh, the Indians, whether it's related to uh, agriculture with people always talking about the farm system. Or something with some meme about let's go tribe. Like we we are open to every anything and everything. Mm-hmm. And if we don't get a good suggestion, we might just ruin everyone's life and call it something like the Let's Talk Tribe Prospect Podcast, featuring Matthew Schlichting and Brian Hemminger weekly on Wednesdays. Just because we want to take up your entire phone screen with the title. <laughs> so give us your suggestions. We want them. Yeah, you've been warned. All right. Well, thanks, Brian. Uh, I will talk to you next week. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope that you stick with us for the rest of the season, because as far as I'm concerned, we have the best prospect chat out there, even if we don't have the best title yet.